Have you heard about the guys over at Chinook Seedery? They are the only sunflower seed company that is taking the time to connect with college athletes and trying to help them build their brand. They have eight flavors from mild to wild with way less salt and no sandpaper tone. So check them out today over at ChinookSeedery.com. A few hours themselves. His pitch lined the left side, base hit. Leach is going to move his runner Zeisler to third. Zeisler rounding third base, having trouble Brown, and Missouri's going to walk off with a win here in Arlington. That, that was the hog call, and that is why that happened. You can Yo, what is up, everybody? It is time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross. Jim, we're missing Randy tonight. He's got the night off, but we're going to keep plugging away because we got episode 17 titled Fresh Start from Behind the Dish because we got the man, Dylan Leach, joining us. And the reason why this is an important episode is because we're going to pull in some, some Arkansas fans, but now we get a whole new audience. Missouri Tigers, first time ever having a Missouri Tiger on the show. I'm excited, man, but before we get to Dylan, I, I got to say, man, International Women's Day, I want to give a shout out to all the in off the bench women out there that we've covered. Today's your day. Keep being awesome. Keep being you. And if there's anything that we can do to support anything that you ladies are doing, let us know. Love y'all. Happy International Women's Day to y'all. But Jim, let's get to it, man. Let's get to the biggest interview in podcasting this week with our man, Dylan Leach. All right, Dylan, our man, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? Doing good, doing good. Glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely, man. This is this is cool. We're going to get to talk to a former Razorback, but you are our first Missouri baseball guest, so we're excited to get to talk about the Tigers from down there in Columbus. But before we get into all that, first got to break the ice a little bit, and then we're going to let Daniel get into your story. So let, let's go ahead and do this, man. Right out the gate, we're going to judge you. We're going to judge you hard. Who is your favorite musician or band? Uh, that's a good one. Uh, see, I'm an old country music artist fan. I love it. Uh, big George Strait guy, Alan Jackson, all of them. So, I mean, any one of those guys will hit hard at any point. So, Daniel, I think we've come to agreement, though. If it's if country is the answer, the older country is the only acceptable answer. It's the correct? only answer. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it, what I like is he's like, it hits hard. Alan Jackson hits hard. I mean, like, if, if, if this don't do it for you, <laughs> I'm fired up. I'm ready to, I'm ready to like get into it. No, we, uh, we get Morgan Wallen like nine out of every 10 answers. Yeah, see, he just, he just doesn't. He'll, he'll do it every once in a while, but it's just not my type. I don't like the Oh, Daniel, Dylan's your guy. Dylan is your guy, man. 
We have our other host that is not here tonight. Uh, he said, I don't know, what. how many tracks is on the new one, Daniel? We say 30 or something? Like 30-something. And everybody's and, like, you got to listen, you got to listen. I'm like, I don't want to listen to that. And he tried to he tried to tell Daniel that all every single one of them was good. And Daniel was like, I bet three of them are good. That's right. So... I think I think we're gonna do just fine. I said we judge you off the first one. We're gonna be we're gonna be good to go. So normally this next question we ask favorite movie in general, but I I saw the Oakland A's at their spring training and uh, they changed it up a little bit. They asked them what their favorite Disney movie was. So I asked you, Dylan, what's your favorite Disney movie? You know, throwing it back again, Lion King. I'm a I grew up watching Lion King for forever, and not the OG Lion King is is my favorite. Is solid, solid answer. You you cannot go wrong with that. I don't I don't think Daniel, if someone was to disagree with Lion King, I mean, they're do they really like Disney? Do they really all right? So Dylan, I ask you, what is your favorite baseball movie though? Uh there's so many good ones. Um Perfect Game's a really good one. I always liked watching that one. Um A League of Their Own. A lot of people don't say a league of their own, but I like a league of their own. Absolutely. Uh, I think you might be the first guest who said that, and it is in my top five baseball movies, so I pre- I appreciate that you like that movie. I mean, it, it's good, man, and it's not even just a, an equality thing. It, it's a good baseball movie. So, oh, 100%. All right, so Dylan, you know, being that you're a guy from Texas, you know, probably had a lot of athletes that you looked up to that you're, were your favorite athletes. So, you know, who were some of those guys? Uh, I would say watching Tony Romo as a as a young kid, you know, he never really did anything for the Cowboys, but how he played and kind of how he led the team. And then I'd also say uh, Adrian Beltre for the Rangers. I mean, he's one of the greatest of all time. I feel like. Wait, wait, what do you what do you mean he did, Tony Romo didn't do anything for the team? Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I knew Ex- this expound is a expound one, upon that, please. He just, I just feel like he. Uh, he kind of went and gone pretty quick. Like he just, he couldn't ever finish is, is what I could see, you know? Seems like uh, the same thing that's happened the past four years. Exactly. I'm with it. I'm, I'm agreeing. I mean, look, man, it's, these guys don't understand. It's rough being a Cowboys fan. There's <laughs> always the, the highest of high expectations and, you know, everybody hates you, especially my my friends. They they don't want to see us successful, and it's it's just it's it's rough, man. It really is. But I, I appreciate the loyalty that you have, and I'm glad that there there's there's one of us on here that that understands. Exactly. I mean, not everybody understands it. You know, the Cowboys are gonna have their years, and we know it. But hell, we're still gonna stick with them. Well, Dylan has Dylan. You've at least, or I went to say that wrong. Daniel, you've at least got to experience Super Bowl victories. Dylan is too young to even have that feeling. I actually feel bad for my guy. Yeah, I mean that's really what what sparked the whole fandom. Like you, you start following a team, you like them, and then they're good, and then they win, and then you're like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever, and then nothing. For <laughs> nothing for years. So just wait. The big things are coming. Just be patient. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very sure, Dylan. You're gonna see one in your lifetime. So don't, don't worry. I hope so. <laughs> Go ahead, Daniel. 
So, you know, I, I, I guess Dylan, the, the best way to, to kind of get into this and, and segue is obviously, you know, there's, there's Texas roots, there's Arkansas roots, there's Missouri roots. You got kind of things all over the place. So let's, let's go back. Take me back to when you were a kid. Tell me a little bit about where you grew up. So I kind of grew up all over the place. Um, I was born in Carthage, Texas. And then uh, when I was two or three, we moved to Wyoming. My dad was a coal miner, so he moved up there to coal mine. And I lived there till I was about eight. And then we moved to central Texas and lived there till about my sixth grade year and then moved back to Carthage. And then that's where I went to high school and left there and went to Arkansas. Well, let's talk about this. You know, that's – you don't hear that too often. Your dad was a coal miner and you moved to Wyoming. Yeah. What is – what was the experience like or do you real remember too much of Wyoming? Oh, no, I remember Wyoming very, very good. I loved that place. That place was beautiful. It was – and it was really good hunting, which I love to do. So, well, let me ask you this: Is it is it like uh, the way that I picture it? Is like it's very you know rural, and you got to drive like an hour to the closest little town, and like everybody knows everybody, and your neighbor is on the ranch way down the road. Like, is is that what we're talking about? Or you know, it, like it was picturing this wrong. Kinda- it's kind of like that. There's there, there's the small little town area, and I think there's probably oh I don't know three four thousand people there, and then uh, you, the the nearest like Walmart was about an hour and thirty minutes away, and then Dad had to drive an hour and twenty five minutes each way to go to work every morning, and my mom was a uh, a, a banker, and then so it just kind of just living that small town life. I hear you. So with that, you know, is it just you, mom and dad? Any brothers and uh, sisters? No, I have uh I have two brothers and a sister. Um I am the oldest actually. Um then I have a brother and then sisters in the middle and then a baby brother. Wow. Wow, what's the what's the age difference between all y'all? Oh uh, shoot. I guess he just got his driver's license, so he's 16, I guess. And then uh, she's a freshman in high school. And then my youngest brother, I think he's in seventh or eighth grade. So you're, you're pretty much the example setter, huh? Oh, yeah. Do they, um, do they ask you questions? Do they look for big brother advice or are they still like, in that phase where they're too cool, like they kind of figure it out on their own. No, uh, I'd probably get a phone call about every other day to every day, just asking a question about something, asking about a teacher that I had back in the day or um, my, the brother right underneath me has uh, autism. So we talk kind of frequently just to kind of keep up and talk with him. And uh, I always ask him about his schoolwork and try to keep on him about that. And so it's just, we're, we're pretty tight knit family. That's good, man. So, you know, with the kids and everyone, like, somewhat similar, you know, close in age, is is it a competitive atmosphere? Is it a, um, you know, a friendly atmosphere? I mean, I can only picture it, like, if I had, you know, multiple siblings, I feel like it would just be 
controlled chaos and fire <laughs> all the all the time. I don't know if you call it controlled chaos or just chaos, but that's about what it is. Uh, it's either we're all playing in different places or we're all at the same spot, just fighting with each other, trying to figure out who's the boss that day and stuff like that. But it's it's good. It's good to to go through and and have them there and fighting's good every once in a while because at least you know you still love each other. Very true. I don't think you can live, you know, in close quarters with someone for the majority of your time and not like have some of those those uh, arguments and 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 I guess learn learning experiences would is probably the best way to to describe it. Exactly, especially six people in one house. I mean, there was there was a couple houses we lived in where. I think there was three boys in one bedroom and the girl got her own room and like we were all tight quartered most of the time. So it, we kind of all grew up, you know, best friends, I would say. Man, it's probably like a Royal Rumble in that bedroom. Oh, yeah. Three boys. Jeez. So let's let's get into baseball. So tell me a little bit about, you know, like when when did you start playing baseball? and Was baseball the only sport that you played? Uh, I started playing baseball when I was three, which we were in Wyoming then. So baseball was kind of just a seasonal thing because of the weather. But um, once I got back to Texas, it it hit pretty hard, and I was playing it year round. And um, once I got to um, junior highs, when I started playing other sports, just to kind of play it, and because I was athletic at that time. And then once I hit after my freshman year of high school, I stopped playing football and track and all that and just went straight baseball. But um, I mean, it was it was a good time. I loved it all, but baseball was my true passion. So, were you a catcher? You know, when you grew up, or were you you a different position? Because I know a lot of guys. It's like, well, what position did you start off playing? Oh, I was shortstop and pitcher. Like that's like the the go to answer. Um, no, yeah, but... I I loved catching from the from the time I started, which was just after T ball because you don't really need a catcher in T ball. But um, no, I started catching, and then uh, my freshman and sophomore year of high school, just so I could get on the varsity and start and play, I went and played shortstop for two years, and then caught thirteen games of my junior year because that was my COVID year, so it was kind of just like that. But I mean, I've caught my entire life pretty much. I mean. Jim, that's that's saying something when you go, you know what, I'm not going to catch anymore. I'm going to go because I want to play more, and I'm going to go to shortstop. I'm going to be – I know I'm the best player on the field, so let mm -hmm. me go and play that position. Um, man, that's that's crazy. So um, you're playing shortstop. You're, you're catching a little bit, man. You know, obviously you, you, you continue this trend all the way up to high school. What high school did you attend? Uh, Carthage High School. So that's uh, – where. where is Carthage? So uh, it's about 40 minutes from Shreveport and about, I don't know, uh, from Texarkana. It's about two hours straight south. Okay. Was it a, a big school or small No, school? I, I, I think I graduated with 180 kids. Nice, nice. Well – Despite the size, man, you 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 did some work there, man. You ranked as the number five catcher in the state of Texas and the number thirty six catcher in the country, and that was uh, according to Perfect Game. And the, you know, from what I hear, Perfect Game knows their stuff. So, <laughs> from what uh, you hear. yeah, no, 
that's the best around when it comes to just development and rankings and you name it, man. Perfect Games got it on lock. But 2020 Perfect Game preseason underclass All-American, uh, Texas All-Region first team, 2019 Perfect Game preseason underclass All-American. You batted 472, six home runs, 45 RBIs, 13 stolen bases during your sophomore season. Uh, and that was in 2019. Uh, you collected all state and district MVP honors. And all those accolades, all those different things, um, obviously it, it shows your level of athleticism, your dedication, your commitment, and really just how good you were as a baseball player. Um, but Looking back on that, what was your favorite moment in high school? Um, you know, my favorite moment was uh, actually during my sophomore season. Um, we were down playing in the fourth round of the playoffs against Sweeney, and it's the last game, and I come up with runner on second and hit a little base hit and actually broke the school's hits record and RBI record. And um, I ended up breaking another record that year too, but in the in that game, and then we ended up getting beat somehow in the seventh inning to lose out. But that, that right there was like, it wasn't an accomplishment, but it was like, I know that I'm good enough to go do more things in baseball with that yeah. right there. Now, did you know that you were breaking the hits record, or I, did you find out after the fact? I found out after the year that I had actually done it all, like broke three records and and the whole season. I was like, wow, I had no idea. I was just playing baseball. Do you think if you had known what the record was prior to the season started and you were, you know, deliberately chasing it, do you think? There would have been more pressure, less pressure. Do you think you would have had the same success? Well, I think it could have added a little bit more pressure, but I mean, it. it I don't think it would have changed much. But I was kind of glad I didn't know because I was just out there playing ball and not chasing some phantom record that somebody had set twenty years ago. You know, right? Um, you know, I I asked that because you know, it makes you wonder, like you know, throughout your career, especially in high school. We have athletes your caliber, and they do such good things in their high school careers. It's like it makes you wonder how many records actually are broken that nobody really ever thinks about, or, or and it's all like after the fact. So mm -hmm. pretty pretty interesting that that you're able to do that, and, and you're able to find out after the fact. But you know, obviously, when you start you know throwing your name out there with the accolades that you do with perfect game. And then you talk about, um, you know, breaking school records and, and, and those types of things, you, you got to start getting, you know, some feelers and some nibbles and some bites from colleges, right? Yep. So at, at what point does that recruiting process start for you? Um, what, at what point do you go, Oh, colleges are wanting to talk to me. So it was actually before that season that I already start, started talking to colleges. And um, I had talked to three or four, and Arkansas was included in there. And then um, going into the summer of my uh, sophomore year, um, I was talking with Arkansas, and they kind of 
stood out to me and I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And I, uh, I committed that summer and then going into my sophomore years was kind of like the pusher. So I quit playing football because I didn't want to end up getting hurt in football and not be able to play, you know, and, and lose that year. But it was kind of, it kind of started earlier than that year. So it was kind of, it was kind of cool that you commit and you go out and have that year. So it's kind of showing them, Hey, I'm getting better and better and better, you know? Do you think that you had that year because you were able to commit and the pressure was off and you could just kind of like the high school record, you didn't know about it until after the fact you were just able to just go play and not have to worry about it. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that was a big part of it. Like just being able to go play and have fun and be free, you know? So, you know, obviously you commit relatively early to Arkansas. So why, why, what was it about them where you're like, this is where I belong. This is where I want to go. Well, it was kind of like the place in general. I went down for a camp and just being able to see that place was unbelievable. And the coaches were were really awesome. I mean, loved them to death. I mean, listening to Nate talk, I was like, man, he, he seems like a really good coach. And then Dave, I mean, he's, you know, his past and all that. And actually my um, great-grandfather knew Dave because uh, when Dave coached in Texarkana, my grandfather wrote sports papers and they come across paths several times before. So, um, I mean, it was just kind of, kind of like set in stone that I was like, man, I kind of really want to go here. So before I jump into Arkansas, I was going to, I was going to jump right into it, but I put it out there on Twitter while Daniel was talking to you because you looked really, really familiar to a character that we grew up with. You may not even be familiar at all, but have you ever watched Mighty Ducks movies? Yep. Have you, and he's from Texas. Have you ever been told you look like the Dwayne Robertson kid? You just don't have the big ears. That's, that's the I haven't. I haven't been told that, but now looking back, looking at it, like, yeah, that, that, I could see it. Now, you're a better looking version, of course, Dylan. <laughs> but, but like I said, I, I saw it and then I sent it and I put it out on Twitter and I had multiple people say it. And then y'all are both from Texas. And I was like, all right, I'm not crazy anyway. Just a fun, <laughs> a, a fun little side thing. Hey, it's okay. We had, we had uh, Brock Wilkin on from Wake Forest and I'm sitting there talking and uh, Daniel did the same thing to me. He sends me a picture. Anyway, sure enough, dude looks a lot like Joe Burrow. And it was like, so this is becoming a common occurrence. But as you said, you know, you go from um, Texas to Fayetteville. And one of the things that I was going to ask you right out the gate, and you just kind of touched on it. Um, I remember, uh, you know, because Brady Tiger is like a little brother. He started sending me pictures of the facilities. Um, I mean, they might be second to none, man. Just like, so when you get to – arrive there and be a part of that i mean just how amazing was it to to arrive on campus in fayetteville and also be able to use those facilities well it was kind of it was kind of surreal because you know i underwent my um senior year at for high school and i enrolled early and so being a 17 year old kid walking onto that campus was kind of like oh wow i've i've kind of made it you know and being able to use those facilities and and train with, you know, the best players in college baseball was just crazy at 17 years old, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And um, and, th and that's a wild story within itself, you know, the, getting there early. You know, 
Um, people get nervous when when they get to college anyway, but like you said, man, you're a 17-year-old kid. I can only imagine the emotions going through you. Yeah, and it, it was crazy. I mean, I'd been on my own several times. I mean, traveled all over the country playing baseball by myself sometimes and, you know, getting up there and, and then starting school by yourself and at that, that age, like most kids still have another year to mature. And, um, I mean, it was it was it was crazy how it all worked out. Yeah, no doubt. But, you know, nonetheless, man, you get right into it. You played in 17 games with 10 starts at catcher, you know, slashing 257, 469, and 429. Um, the biggest note, man, we're we're big advocates of of defense in here. And, you know, being being that you're a catcher, only one error in 116 chances and uh help Arkansas set a school record in fielding percentage with a 980 mark for the year. Um, so a couple things. Uh, you know, first you know, what does it mean to you, the pride when, you know, especially, you know, just one error, and I'm sure the one error even bothers you, but, you know, knowing that, you know, you're reliable behind that plate. Uh, like, I take the most pride in that. Like, if, like, the other day in a game here, midweek, uh, no, this is the last game against Texas Southern. Um, I instead, I got lazy. It was the last inning, last, last out, and I got lazy behind the plate and tried to, glove a change up in the dirt for strike three instead of blocking it and I ended up picking it up throwing the guy out but I was I was cussing myself back to the dugout I was like that can't happen like we we got to be better than that like I take pride in, in my defensive work I, I heard it should have been scored a wild pitch <laughs> that is not what he heard uh but you know talk to me we always want to pick the brain and find out what you learned most of freshman year, because, you know, even Griffin Merritt said at the last episode, the freshman to sophomore year is, is the biggest transition. And it's all about what you take in and learn that freshman year. So what did you learn the most? Uh, I learned from one of the best catchers in baseball, Casey Opitz. I mean, it was, that was what I learned the most, how to control a game and how to uh, lead a team. And, I felt like I had that going into my sophomore year. And, I mean, I didn't get to play much myself. I mean, I played a, quite a bit my sophomore year, but not in, like, the bigger games like I was hoping. But I think it, what I learned from him helped me for that season and prepared me for that season. Yeah, no doubt. But in that season, you know, man, what a fun uh, season it was. Obviously didn't end um, the way that anybody expected. But – um Let's talk about it. You know, uh, first of all, what was your favorite series? Because, I mean, y'all steamrolled the entire SEC, you know, of all those. I mean, what was your favorite to be a part of? Um, I would say the A&M series for me because I got to play in that one quite a bit, and it was really cool going down there because I have, you know, I know everybody from A&M because that's where everybody goes from the state of Texas, it feels like. But uh, that one and and, and – yeah, we lost that series, but I think that helped, per, like, kick us in the butt and go, okay, we need to step shit up and we need to go. And and we've had just about every single guest say that Bluebell Park is underrated and that the fans are wild and right on top of you. Is yep. that the case? It's, it's well underrated. I mean, when you have a student section that is chirping the pitcher every single pitch, like doesn't take a pitch off, and you don't hear that from the TV, but when you're there – you hear it every single pitch. I mean, that's that'll get to some guys eventually if they start, you know, kind of getting wild and they get into it. It's it'll get to you. Yeah, and speaking of wild though, man, just 
tell me how electric is Baum Walker? I mean, you're you're a freshman. Talk about how electric it is during the postseason. Uh, on a scale from from one to ten, I would say a hundred. I mean, that thing was crazy. I mean, I didn't know you could fit that many people in that stadium. I mean, and the they had to hear us all the way down in Fort Smith because I mean that song was loud. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Baum Walker and Duty Noble. Um, I don't think it's uh debatable outside those two. Obviously, we're just giving credit to Blue Bell and and obviously Swayze and Alex Box. But I I really feel like those two are a tier above the rest. Um, the amount of people they can put into them, how loud and passionate the fans are, and so uh, a Baum Walker postseason game is something that even though I'm not an Arkansas fan, it's on the bucket list, man. I got to be there for an environment like that for sure. But going into the next season, you said, you know, you didn't play as much as you wanted to, but you did play in 24 games, uh, 16 start, um, 14 at catcher, two at designated hitter, uh, slashing 224, 297, 517. You did have four home runs and 16 batted in. Um, but I got to talk – I got there's – a, there's a game that, that puts you on my radar. I'll be honest with you. You know, I didn't know too much about you, Dylan, but, man, on April 5th, you hammered two home runs while hitting five for five and hitting the cycle against UCA. Man, you became the f- second Arkansas player to hit for the cycle since 1994 and the first to do uh, since Robert Moore to hit a home run from both sides of the plate. So, man, just take me through that whole game, the emotions, everything, because, I mean, I can't imagine all that. Uh, It was actually pretty crazy. I mean, to start off, I come up and Dave gives me the slash and I'm comfortable with doing a slash and I show it. I I showed a bunt first and the first base would come crashing. And then um, we called a time, they called a timeout. So Dave called me over. He goes, Hey, he moves in. I want you to hit it down his throat. It's like, okay. <laughs> and I showed it. And as soon as I showed it, I saw him and I pull it back and nearly hit him right square in the forehead and he got out of the way. But, um, hit a triple and then come up and he's like, Hey, I need you to lay it down a bunt right here. He goes, you ain't got to be safe at first. I just need it down and laid it right down the first baseline. Like I needed to. And the pitcher just completely whiffed the ball. And so I was safe at first for a base hit and then, uh, come up and I think I was a one, two count. So I was kind of defenseless being defensive and just ended up getting a ball over the top of the right fielder for a double. And then, I come up my last at bat and somebody from the stand screamed, Hey, you know what you got to do right here. And I wasn't realizing it till I've seen that first swing I took, you could tell that I just missed that. I mean, I found a major league pop-up that went down the right field line that I mean was a bomb, but then next pitch, he threw me a fastball down and in and I hit a line drive and there were some guys in the bullpen and they said, literally the ball was going to hit the top of the fence. And the last two feet, it looked like it just like somebody grabbed it and rose it and put it over the fence, <laughs> and uh, and that was crazy. I mean, this there were there wasn't very many people there, but the people that were there went nuts. And then uh, come up my last at but he he wasn't gonna let me go my last at bat. And I said, hey, do you mind if I just get one more? I want to hit right handed because I ain't got very many right handed at bats. He goes, yeah, go ahead, and. One thing you don't do is throw me an up-and-in fastball right-handed, especially elevated, because I, I can get my hands to that pretty easily. And sure enough, he did, and I 
parked that sun gun out there in the hog pen for my second homer. And I didn't realize that that was the first time in history anybody has ever done that. And so that was, I mean, I had people messaging me for weeks on end just talking about it, and it was pretty cool. So, I mean, Daniel, take this into perspective for a second. I mean, on this show, we've had 38 guys who have now been drafted to the pros. And in those 38 guys, none of them hey, have came close to touch it, touching this beat. Not even – none of them had a, have had a day like that. I mean, they, they, none of them have gone – I mean, some of them have gone five for five, but not like that type a of cycle, day. two bombs, opposite like, side. I mean, that's – what did – like, what did you eat that morning? Like, that's what I want to know. Like, what, I wish, the, what went into that day to get you to that point? I wish I could remember that far back, but, I mean, I just remember the – that game itself, I mean, it was it was unbelievable. I I don't I hope I hope somebody breaks it one day, but that was awesome. Yeah, and so obviously that was an offensive note, but I mean I would regret if I didn't bring up the defense again because y'all managed to break the mark from the year before and you were a part of it again. Um the fielding percentage being nine eighty two. Um, you know, so obviously I know you take pride in that and you, you know, you talked about open the year before, you know, what was it like also, you know, Michael Turner is a guest of this show as well. You know, what was it like getting to wa- uh, work with Michael Turner? You know, Michael Turner was a great guy. Um, I loved catching with him. Um, and he was kind of laid back, you know, he, he didn't really assert himself into like outside, like he kind of kept to himself and quiet, but he, he was going to help you out if you needed help. So I would always help him out if he needed help. I mean, we we kind of bounced back and forth, but I mean, just being able to, to learn from his experience too. I mean, he coming from a different school, like different ways, and um, you know, it, it kind of helped me kick starting gear and kind of kind of start learning more and more with my game. You know? Yeah, no doubt. So I got two more questions, and then we'll get to Missouri because I know people want to hear about Missouri, but I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about this. You know. Um, I actually was uh I was actually sitting uh in the uh suite with Jalen Battles watching you in in uh Arlington at the college baseball showdown and, and I bring that up to say Jalen Battles bomb in the Stillwater Regional and uh, and all that that came with it. Like just how awesome was that watching? Uh that was pretty awesome to be down there on the field to beat Oklahoma State. I mean, that was that was top three to four of my all-time favorite college moments. I mean, just hearing – I can still hear the ball come off that bat, and it just, like, it sounded different than any other ball I've heard. Like, it just – when when it took off, it, it dang sure went. And, and that's why I asked you about it, because every Arkansas player we have talks about it, and it's, you know, it's unique because you said a top four moment – when somebody else's moment is a top moment for you, that tells you everything about it, right? Like, I mean, that thing, I mean, it's still, it's still in orbit. That thing, that thing was awesome. And, and Jalen's such a humble guy too. It just makes it that much better. Um, the other question before we moved to Missouri was, you know, obviously y'all make it to Omaha, man. That's every kid's dream. So just how cool was it? You know, even though y'all didn't get the, to win it all, but nonetheless, y'all had some success there. Y'all were there. Um, what was it like to be in Omaha? Uh, actually, I mean, that I didn't think I'd ever make it, and to actually make it was was freaking awesome. I mean, you tell yourself all the time, "Yeah, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go," but 
I mean, what is it? It's uh, eight teams, and that's 32 players a team. I mean, you that's very rare chance you're ever going to go. But just being able to make it was unbelievable. And, yeah, I didn't play, but being in the dugout and being there for my teammates was, was awesome. I mean, the atmosphere, I mean, and playing in that – front of that many fans. I mean, we play in front of a lot of bomb, but being able to play in front of that many was freaking awesome. Yeah, no doubt. So obviously that season ends and you're now at Missouri. So man, tell for those who don't know, including ourselves, you know, how does that come to be? Um, it, I had talked with uh, Van Horn and he, he told me, he's like, we just, uh, we're going to bring in three more guys and you're going to have to compete with them. And I was like, so you're saying I'm I'm not your guy next year? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, I was like, okay, well, I, I think it's time for me to go somewhere that truly wants me to be their guy. And um, so we agreed on it. And, I mean, we're still really good. I mean, he came up to me and talked to me while we were in Arlington. I mean, we're still pretty close. And um, But then I entered the transfer portal, and not 30 minutes later, I get a phone call from Coach Beezer, and then um, – some other coaches like immediately calling me and talking to me. And the next thing I know, I'm getting a phone call from Beezer saying, Hey, can you be up here for a, a visit? We want to get you on a visit as soon as we can. And so I literally left that Saturday night and went up and had a visit that Sunday. And, um, you know, the, the field's nothing like bomb, but the, the town kind of felt more like, like home to me. I mean, it was, it's a, it's not a big town. And so it's kind of like that smaller vibe and, you know, everything's a, a 10 to 15 minute drive. And um, the coaches were, were awesome. I mean, the way they talked was like, I've never heard before in college baseball and it kind of excited me and, and ended up committing that Sunday and got up here and got right to work. I mean, I, that's what I wanted to do. I mean, Daniel, you were a baseball coach. Think about this. I mean, if you're a coach, you're salivating. You got a guy who defensively doesn't make mistakes. You got a guy that, you know, did something that had never been done before. And you got a guy who's been in the Arkansas program, which is one of the top-notch programs in the country. Like, I mean, this is a guy you want, right? Of course. I mean, you're you're talking about a guy that it's not just a, a bench guy, a guy who's getting time, he's playing, and he's – making the most out of the opportunities by going five for five and hitting for cycles. He can hit from both sides of the plate. Not only that, he's good defensively. Like, yeah, that's, that's the guy you want, man. Dylan, like that. I, I have to ask, and, and you can give us as much or as little information on this as possible, but two things. Did you feel when when Van Horn comes to you and he's like, no, man, you're not our guy, did you feel then like how much of a business it is or what the business college baseball could be? Yeah, no, it, it's a it's a true business. And I tell every young guy that I talk to now about baseball, like I'll get DMs all the time asking, hey, um, I'm, I'm – I do this, I do this, where do you think I should go? And, and then I immediately tell them, go somewhere you're going to play. Go somewhere that they truly want you and you're going to play. Like, if you have to go to a junior college, go to a junior college and play. Because hearing that from a coach that you have given your all to for two years straight and, like, 
done everything you, he's asked of you, done everything, and he tells you that, like, after two years of giving your all, I mean, that that crushed me. I mean, and I kind of already knew it was coming, but that crushed me. But that also fueled me to to prove to him that, you know, I can go do great things one day, and it's going to happen. And so that that's kind of where I'm at right now. Well, I mean, I guess really the the reality is, is the transfer rule is much complaints as you know some people have about it like this was protection for you exactly because i mean nothing had stopped in the past other than amount of scholarships but nothing really stops a coach from bringing more people in um but now it's kind of equal because now you have the ability to to not lose out on anything and simply transfer over mm-hmm. um how many people were on that list obviously when you hit the portal people start calling you i mean you're you're when they see you know catcher from arkansas these are the stats like i can just imagine like all these coaches they're like the wheels start spinning in their head and they're picking up their phone and they're immediately calling you so like what in reality how long was that list for you or was it just a um, Within the first four hours, I think, of being in the portal, I had 20 different phone calls from different schools uh, just wanting to talk. I mean, it was literally – I'd get done talking with – I'd get done talking with one, have a text message, wanting to talk and talk, and then it's just one after another, just going and going and going. And uh, I wanted to stay in the SEC because I wanted to play Arkansas again, and I thought we were going to have a chance this year until they changed our schedule because – I wanted to show him that uh, that giving my all for two years wasn't for nothing, and that I was gonna go and and, and prove to him that I can do that, be, take that spot from anybody, you know. Well, there's still there's still the uh, SEC tournament possibility, and there's always postseason possibility. So don't don't count it out at all, Dylan. It can still happen, but. You know, you said it felt like home, like more like home, smaller. So with that, was the transition from Fayetteville to Columbia very hard or, you know, was it a lot smoother? You know, it was it was good, but it was also hard because um, I'm actually I mean, I had to leave my fiance behind because she's still in she still goes to school at Fayetteville. So that that was kind of the only thing that made it hard was that part leaving her behind. Yeah, I could I could imagine the difficulty in that. But, you know, you get there. Obviously, you settle in well. You know, obviously, the first series is, is on the road at Globe Life Field. Um, I get to be there for it. I'm excited because we have already booked you to come on. And so now I'm going to get to see you, um, which would otherwise I don't have Missouri in any of the weekends that I'm going to be at. So this, this is it's cool. I'm going to get to be able to see you for three games. And, uh, man, you did not disappoint. And you know what? I'll let Daniel run this clip and let everybody hear what I saw. A few hours themselves. His pitch lined the left side base. It's Leach is going to move his runner Zeisler to third. Zeisler rounding third base, having trouble. Brown and Missouri's going to walk off with a win here in Arlington. That was the hog call, and that is why that happened. You can hear. And so that was – I don't know what made it cooler, Dylan. Was 
the walk-off itself or because all the Arkansas fans were there waiting and ready. Obviously, I was sitting with them. And to see them do the hog call for you, um, you know, shows a lot about that fan base. So talk to me first about the Missouri aspect. Um, Obviously, you know, first weekend, big weekend against a team like Texas, getting that walk off. And then talk to me about what it meant to have the Arkansas faithful do that for you. No, it was it was really cool from a Missouri aspect because there's actually a picture on uh, that got popped up on Twitter and it was uh, this army team and then right in the middle is a picture of a clown and then the people put their uh, the names of the teams that were going to be a Globe Life on there and Missouri was that clown in the middle and uh, that kind of sparked our fuel like everybody thought we're going to be the clown of the SEC everybody thinks that we're we're no good you know. And so we took that fuel into the first game. And, yeah, we got beat 5-3, to three, but I don't think we beat ourselves really. I think God just wanted – baseball God just wanted them to win because they get five infield singles to to beat it, you know. But um, then going into that game, I mean, the loss to Oklahoma State fueled it even more. I mean, we wanted to win every game we could down there. And we were never out of a game, but going into the Texas game, it was just kind of like, all right, what can we do to, to, to produce here and produce here and produce here? And we just kept doing it over and over and over and over. And then being able to come up in that moment and go to go, go, go up to, Oh, and then I, I hear it faintly out of the corner of my, just hear it. And I didn't realize what it was. I thought it was maybe the Texas fans kind of getting a little rowdy or something. And then I kind of looked up and I saw everybody start standing up and I realized it was all Arkansas fans. And then I could hear what they were doing. And I mean, I got chill bumps, like immediately started getting chill bumps down my arm. And um, they, once, once it kind of started getting louder and louder, I stepped in the box and I was like, there's either two things that are going to happen right now. This is either going to be a double or this this ball is going to hit the center field wall like a long ways. And uh, sure enough, he threw it a little down and in, and I stayed through it the best I could and hit a missile past the third baseman. And, I mean, that that stadium was loud. I, I haven't been in the stadium that loud in a long time, so that was awesome. Yeah, no, Arkansas fans, uh, they traveled, and then they just, like I said um, – they just showed um, a lot of character in class by, you know, even though you're in Missouri, still being a fan of you. And then, like I had told you, um, you know, people wanted you to come on and they wanted to hear your story, even from Arkansas, not just from a Missouri, uh, you know, standpoint. So that's just, I mean, it's really cool. It speaks a lot to them. It speaks a lot about you. So your team, you know, you talk about it. Y'all end up, man, I had, you want to talk about writing you guys off after watching TCU the first two games. Um, especially the way they smacked Arkansas down. Daniel, I'll tell you, I already had t- TCU wrap, wrapped up for the sweep for the, the weekend. I was already getting we, – we come out with our rankings, uh, you know, Monday morning. I was already moving TCU up the ladder, and then, you know, they had to lead the whole game. And then next thing you know, here y'all came, showing that y'all, you know, stand up to adversity, and y'all end up taking that game into extras. Um and I wasn't the only one. Probably about the majority of people who cover college baseball already had TCU winning that game. And so that really speaks a lot to you and that Missouri team 
um, showing that, one, y'all weren't scared of TCU, and two, that y'all were able to battle back um, from that deficit and overcome that adversity. And so, I mean, obviously, here, amazing weekend. Here, Here's the crazy thing, Jim, is they're one bad inning away from being – from sweeping that sweeping whole weekend. that weekend. I mean, they – you had a what a five spot against Oklahoma State. Five spot in, off and of, that's that's all the runs six, they score. Off of six infield singles. And two uh, and three of them bounced off the plate and went into the outfield. Like there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, and so I mean, y'all y'all got on everyone's radar after that. Like you said, y'all weren't a joke anymore. Everybody saw that saw that y'all had beat Texas, saw that y'all beat TCU. And, um, you know, y'all are now getting the respect. And, and so for a team that, you know, a lot of people have picked a projected to finish bottom of the East, um, y'all are sitting 10 and two, have those scrappy wins. Um, so, you know, tell us now what is, uh, you know, what's the feeling in the, in the clubhouse? I mean, obviously you talked about the chip on the shoulder, but I mean, is this, is it there's swagger, this confidence, you know, feeling like, Hey man, we can compete with anybody. Uh, that chip is still there. That chip's going to be there all year long until we prove to everybody that we're not the joke anymore. I mean, um, coming in here, it from day one, we set a goal as a team to 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 prove everybody wrong. We weren't gonna we weren't gonna be that person. Everybody's like, oh, they're just gonna be last. Don't worry about them. This is gonna be an easy game. Da da da. No, that's not who we are anymore. We have guys that are going to come after your ass, and we're going to attack, attack, attack until you can prove that you can beat us, and then we're going to try to figure out a new way to attack, attack, attack you any way we can. Like we're gonna, we're gonna do anything in our power to win that game, whatever it takes. Yeah, no doubt. So my last question, and then I'll let Daniel play a game with you. You know, I got to see you three games, but you know, a lot of people maybe haven't watched Missouri yet that should be watching Missouri. Give me a couple guys that, that need to be on everybody's radar. I'm sure you want to list your whole team because they're your boys, but um, just, you know, give me give me a pitcher, give me a couple of hitters, so, somebody, you know, that everybody needs to be watching out for. Uh, Chandler Murphy, Luke Mann, Hank Zeisler, um, Ty Wilmsmeyer. I mean, our whole lineup pretty much. But, I mean, th- those are guys that are going to come after you and they're going to kick your ass. You know, I, I love the fire. You can you can hear you can hear it in your voice, Dylan, man. Like you guys feel disrespected and not, you know, and as if teams don't look at you as equals. Um, they look at you on the schedule and it's like you're you're the win on their schedule. And I, I love the passion, I love the fire and you guys are really kicking ass right now, 10 and 2. Um, you got some games coming up that you should win. Um, you know, a lot of momentum going into that first SEC series in, in a couple weekends against Tennessee. So um, it's, it's, uh, the sky's the limit right now, man. You guys are sitting really pretty, but I want to, I want to close this thing out, man. Let's, let's bring the closer in. Let's, let's do this thing. Let's play a little game before we get you out of here. All right. Let's do it. All right, so we're going to play this or that. We got two parts to this, um, but it's it's a very simple game. I give you two options. You choose one option or the other. Just can't say both and can't say neither. So just be decisive and, and pick one, one of the two that I give you. 
All right, so the first part is coming from the Savannah Bananas. They, uh, If you don't know about the Savannah Bananas, you need to look them up. They're highly entertaining. They're good baseball players, uh, but they also play their own style of baseball is about the only way that I, 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 can, I can explain it. Um, you'd have to look it up and see. But, you know, they took what we did with this and that, this or that, and changed up the questions. So I'm going to steal a couple of their questions. Uh, to get us going out of the gate. So first one is, would you rather be able to teleport or would you rather be able to use a time machine? Teleport, 100%. Where are you going? Where, where are you teleporting to? <laughs> Anywhere I want to because I have it. But, you seen uh, the movie Jumper? Yeah, it would It would definitely be like to fable – as many times as I could to, to see my fiance or oh. to go hunting anywhere I want to, you know, like being able to do that. That, that fiance one's well yeah, played, Daniel. I like that. That's a, that's a veteran move right there. Veteran move. All right, Dylan, if your only mode of transportation was a donkey or a giraffe, which one are you picking? Donkey. Donkey. I, I had a feeling you were going to go donkey. Being a guy, Wyoming, you know, Texas, I feel like that's just kind of, you know, you, you, you want to get, as, if you can't get a horse, you're going to get the next closest thing. And yeah, I guess I, a, a, a donkey is it. A giraffe is very, uh, very user friendly. I mean, <laughs> I, that's a... I told Griffin Merritt, I said, you know, if you want the sexy choice, you're picking the giraffe for sure. You're picking the giraffe. But if if you're one the 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 efficient choice, you're gonna pick the donkey. Um, next question: Would you rather be the strongest person in the world, or would you rather be able to fly? Be able to fly. Yeah, I mean, how cool would that be? Like, you never have to play for a not as cool as being the strongest person in the world. Yeah, but you never have to pay for a plane ticket again. You can go wherever you want. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, Jim. Jim's picking the strongest guy in the world. He he wants to be able to not lift heavy weights. He wants to lift all the weights. So, <laughs> but you know, I, I think I'm with you, man. I'd like to be able to fly. I want to know what it's like to be up there just chilling, floating around. You know, getting from one place to another much faster. So, um, all right. So now back. You know, we're gonna switch gears. We're gonna go to our our series of questions that we always ask everybody. Um, is the glass half full or half empty? And let, let me preface this. So if the glass is half full, you always are very positive, very upbeat, you know, about what's happening or what the next step is, regardless of what's happening. If the glass is half empty, that means I am built for situations that are pressure packed. Like I have no other choice because my glass is half empty. I have no other choice but to succeed. Uh, I'm a glass half full guy. I love seeing the positive and everything and trying to 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 figure out a new way to kind of go, you know. I like that better. All right. If you were going to attend a bucket list concert or a bucket list sporting event, you could only choose one, which one would it be? Bucket list concert or bucket list sporting event? A sporting event for sure. What is the what is the bucket list sporting event for you? Oh man, 
you know, I would say a, a World Series, but I want to. Ma- I'm going to make it there one day, so that's that's going to happen. <laughs> um, I was. I'm going to say. Uh, I. You know what? I want to go watch a. I want to go watch the Masters be played. I, I've always wanted to do that. You know, go watch them guys just duke it out playing golf. I mean, that seems like a blast. That's a popular choice, actually. Yeah, we've had a few guys, you know, throw that answer out there. And I, I, I thought he was going to say a Cowboys Super Bowl, honestly. I, you know, I was going to go there, but I'm just, I just, I, I can't go there because I don't know if it's ever going to happen. <laughs> don't so it's got to be the bucket it, list. <laughs> you're, you're a glass half full kind of guy. It's going to happen. <laughs> All right. Would you rather be attacked by a grizzly bear? Or a tiger, and and let, let me elaborate here. You're not going to survive either. That's a given. But if you had to pick between the two, that's gonna which one's gonna give you the best chance to try to survive? Is it the bear or is it the tiger? It's it's probably the tiger, because I feel like uh, grizzly bears weigh twelve to thirteen hundred pounds, and they get your big paws on you. But I feel like if a uh, I could probably outlimber the cat for just a little bit, but a little bit longer than that grizzly bear. Daniel, normally I would argue with someone who says bear, but a guy who's lived in Wyoming and Texas, I might not. Look, I'm 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 not gonna argue. I'm just gonna tell you, you, you you're not gonna outlimber either. <laughs> so you're probably he right. said he's gonna try. I, I'm gonna try because I I feel like the cat I can like be able to, to handle a bit more, but that 1,300-pound grizzly, I feel like that's going to be a little challenge. What was great was Daniel sent me a video of a grizzly bear today to try to spark a little uh, intimidation because I'm I'm quick to say the tiger. That grizzly didn't scare me, Daniel. He probably was even bigger than the one that Dylan's talking about. No, I, what it is is you had to read the whole, the whole blurb on it, and it was like the bear – could in one swing of his hand break the back of a moose and i was like that's pretty that's and a moose is built stronger than we are yeah yeah so i mean i'm not even about, close. i'm about tiger chances all the way no i so I, i'm taking the bear and and here's why and and a lot of it is because you got to know a little bit about the tiger um obviously you play for the missouri tigers i'm sure that you are well-versed in what tigers do. Um, but you may not know it. Tigers hunt at night. And I, I I don't think I could fight that well at night, nor could I see you that well at night. So at least the grizzly bear, I'm going to have a chance during the day. <laughs> and, and, and what might happen is I might catch him when he's getting ready to hibernate, when he's all full and his belly's all all swelly, you know, I, I might I might have a chance. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I, I mean, but you never said it was at night, so I mean, I guess we're gonna have to take the daylight option. All right. Well, I, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. All right. So, last question: Would you rather betray your best friend or go to jail for five years for a crime that you didn't commit? And let let me. Uh, let, let me, let me go, give you some... I'd rather go to jail than, than do that. Oh, no. Yeah, I could, you're I lying could... on this show, Dylan. You're, you're I, couldn't, 
I couldn't betray my best friend. I, I couldn't. Do He's it. been so solid, Daniel, and then he lies on the last I, question. I couldn't. I could not betray my. I can't. I can't do that to him. I mean, been too good to me. I mean, we've always been there for each other. I could. I couldn't do it. Look, Jim is Jim is my best friend, and we got more years as best friends than he's been alive. Yeah, yeah I bet. Like you know, been through some stuff together. You know, seen some stuff together. But let me tell you this, Dylan. If it came down to betrayal or jail, I'm sticking that knife so far <laughs> in his back. It ain't even funny. And I just, I, I think with jail though, you get three free meals a day. I mean, I mean, I think I could live there for a little while. But you, you forget that it's jail. <laughs> it, it is jail. Like I, I don't want five years. I don't want five months. I don't want five weeks i don't want five minutes i don't even want to go into the parking lot <laughs> so that that ain't for me it ain't for me but hey i respect i respect the answer you'll take it maybe survive you get three meals who knows you might be running things exactly so all right man it's 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 been a great episode it's, it sucks that we got to let you bounce but we know you got some games this weekend you guys got some prep work to do and obviously you're still in school so you got some of that to do as well so uh before you bounce man is there anything you want to plug or promote uh you know i really don't have anything but um just go follow me on instagram and twitter and anybody that has any questions or anything ever i'm free to ask i mean go right ahead all right so if y'all want to know what Dylan's up to on a Wednesday night, maybe he's recording a podcast, or maybe you want to see what he's having for dinner on Tuesdays. Maybe it's Taco Tuesday. Who knows? Um, go on over to Instagram at Dylan underscore Leach 15. Or yeah. if you want to see what the Missouri Tigers are doing on the diamond, go to at Missouri underscore baseball. You'll get the game info. You'll get some hype videos. You'll get all kinds of cool stuff. And, and if you're free this weekend, if you're in the Columbia area, go out, check them out. They're playing the New Jersey Institute of Technology uh, Friday the 10th at 3, uh, Saturday at 1, and Sunday at 12. Three games set this weekend. If you can't make it, hop on over SEC Plus Network. You'll be able to catch it and stream it live there. Dylan, man, it was an absolute blast, man. Keep up the good work. 10 and 2. We want to see you guys 14 and 2 headed into the first weekend of SEC play. That's that's where we want to see you guys. Can you make that happen for us? Oh, 100%. It's going to happen. So be ready. All right, man. No matter what, we got to have you back on. We got to talk about this season. You know, after it's all said and done, we'll bring you on. We'll, we'll, recap and you know we'll see what's next for you of course thank you all for having me absolutely it was it was fun and we'll, we'd love to have you back that's dylan leach everybody if you like hearing dylan's story or you just like hearing us average joe's talk x's and o's please like and share the podcast on facebook retweet us on twitter listen and subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify and anchor as always, comments, ratings, feedbacks, thumbs up, likes, hugs, love, you know, all that good stuff is always welcome. Donations, you name it. We'll take it all. You know, maybe some some chocolates. I don't know. It's Easter getting ready to come up. St. 
St. Patrick's Day, a green beer. I don't know. I'll, we'll, we'll take it all. We're, we're not going to turn away gifts. Uh, but anyhow, more importantly, just check us out next week. We got epi- episode 18 coming at you, and we're going back to the gym. We're going back to LSU Gymnastics. We're going to have their star, KJ Johnson, on. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.